So if you were with us last year, you'll know that we've done this series before called A Vertical Story, but a big part of what we believe around here is that our story is important. Um, a lot of people spend time making effort trying to kind of hide what's parts of their story. You know, I don't know about this and whatever. And um, our story is important to God, you know, good, bad, and ugly. A lot of times in scripture, um, God would tell people, hey, build a monument about what took place here and tell your children about it and tell the stories of God because our stories matter because I believe God can use all things, like the scripture says, unto the glory of God. And so what we believe here at Vertical Church is that um, our stories should always give glory unto God. Like we should live in a way that how our life, the story that our lives, that our lives tell, they should all be vertical, giving glory unto God, giving glory unto God. And so um, our vertical story is just how we live, giving glory unto God. And sometimes that's good, bad, ugly, but at the end of the day, it can be redeemed and it can be all for the glory of God. Amen? And so we're in this series called A Vertical Story. And inside that series called A Vertical Story, we want to talk about some of our core truths of who we are as a church, sort of our story as a church. And uh, we've been looking at what it, what it looks like uh, to be a Christian, to be a Christ follower, to be somebody who lives their story for the world and for our community. And, and so there's some good stuff in here. And so this series we will do annually, just every year. We're going to take a minute and we're going to kind of talk about family values and, and our vertical story. And so um, kind of like, you know, each family has just core values. All of us use this expression like, well, those are our family values, or, or that's just who we are. Some, same thing with our church. You know, we just have values. It doesn't make us better than anybody else. It's just who we are. It's what we believe in. It's kind of who we are. And so um, one of these values that we started talking about was last week we talked about um, just being somebody or being a community, and we'll talk about it here, that our story or how we live, one, gives glory unto God, but, but number two, um, it loves people. It just loves people. Our, our saying that we have here around the church is uh, vertical, vertical story or vertical church, loving others towards God, loving others towards God. And I think if we live our story right or with the right heart, the way we interact with each other should love each other and should sort of interact with our community and with other people in a way that, that it all gives glory unto God. It loves others towards God. Amen. And so I, was, uh, I shared this story last week and I'll share it again. Um, this is kind of part two of last week. But I was here for a Kids Hope training, and again, Kids Hope gets you plugged in with the schools, and there's some legal stuff that they have to talk about in terms of separation of church and state and all this different stuff. And so we're in this class, and they're giving us this training, and it was a two-hour thing, and it was about 10 hours each day, and, and um, you're sitting around these tables, you're just getting all this information, and uh, they were playing this game, sort of this scenario game, and they say they had yes, no, and maybe, and you had to walk to your answer based on this question that they gave you. And so they said, hey, let's say you were at school, and we were trying to decide what's the line for separation of church and state. And so they said, let's say you're at the school, and uh, the kid that you're mentoring says, hey, will you pray for my lunch? In the public school, are you allowed to pray for this young person's lunch? And so you had to walk to yes, no, maybe. And, and the conversation started happening about, is it, are you allowed to? Can you pray for this? He asked, since he invited you to pray for his thing, are you allowed to do it? And the instructor said, here's the thing. We believe in praying for lunch. We believe in that. But we also really believe in the big picture of the church 
participating in our public schools, and we want to keep that relationship really healthy, and we want to be able to mentor kids and love on their life. And so they said, really, you have to kind of weigh in the moment what's more important, what's the bigger thing? Is it to pray for his lunch, or is it to have a relationship with the schools and see him continually and be able to have a, a lasting relationship? And so the conversation went back and forth, and, and, and one guy piped up, and he said, well, I, what I would do is uh, I would have prayed for that boy's lunch, and then I would have went down to the principal, and I would have told him I prayed for his lunch. And, uh, and the guy was like, okay. He's like, well, don't you think that would have been perceived as maybe poking the principal? You know, don't you think the principal maybe would have felt like you were... And he said, well, you know, the other side pokes, and the other side is always pushing their agenda. And, and that was the first day I was like, okay. I'll say this off, off the front. I do believe that there is time for Christians that they have to be bold and stand up for what they believe in and, and have a cause and not be walked down. I believe in that for sure. But I don't believe that we're really called to go around using avenues like a, maybe a Kid's Hope or an avenue like this to use this to actually be our vehicle to come over here and poke people on things. I don't think that's the way to do it. Amen? So that was on the first day. The second day, um, they were explaining to us that you have two waivers. And one waiver you send home to a parent is if you get matched with a student, you send that waiver home, and the waiver says this. It says, hey, uh, can I mentor your student? It's to the parent, and it says, can I mentor your student? And if they sign that, then you have permission to mentor their student. And the second waiver that you can send home is basically it's a waiver to participate in events that are outside of the school. And so if the parent signs this waiver to participate in events outside the school, you can then invite them to church or invite them to a VBS or invite them to events like that, even if you're at school. So even at school, like, hey, Billy, why don't you come to church? We got this thing coming up if they've signed that second waiver. So you get matched with your student, you get the first permission slip signed, and then the second one, again, gets you permission to invite them to your things. And so there was a pastor there, and, and he, he pipes up and has a question. He says, hey, I've already been matched with a student. I've already, you know, made the connection. The parents already signed permission for me to uh, be his mentor. He said, if they don't sign that second waiver, can I dump that student? Can I, like, break my relationship with that student? And I was like, are you kidding me? Really, the reason that you're here to mentor or to have a relationship or to connect with this kid is really just to invite them inside your church? That's what the whole thing's about? Like, a, 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 as a church, have we gotten to a place in society that it's like, hey, I don't care about actually mentoring you and spending time with you unless you can make it inside the four walls of my church? That's messed up, right? Maybe we should be a community of people that are like, the last result, the, the icing on the cake, the bonus is, if I've loved on you and made a relationship with you and connected with you, if all of that eventually someday is the overflow of our impact in your life and you come to our church, that's the win. But the goal is not the church. The goal is a healthy relationship. Somebody say amen. And so it just riled me up, just totally got me annoyed. And uh, because I, I'm so frustrated with church, not this church, not local churches. Everyone's going to be thinking like, oh, he hates churches. <laughs> Maybe I do. But... Uh, <laughs> But here's what I'm annoyed with is we have so many programs and so many things that are created to get people in the church. Come here and we'll love you. What kind of message does that send to people, especially desperate people, you know, people that really need us? 
So like, hey, come here, and, uh, and this is where we got to get. And like, if you come here, this is where we are willing to help you. But if we have to go out there, forget about it. Like, your need is not good anymore. No, the church has gotten so far away from being like Jesus, out in the streets, loving, connecting, uh, making relationship, that we need to get back to that. Somebody say amen. So I thought about Jesus. Um, that's how he lived. And I got a whole bunch of scripture here and not a ton of time. But uh, one core scripture that I really want us to kind of think about as we talk about vertical story uh, in our stories is 2 Corinthians 3.1. I read this to you last week. It says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? Verse 2. You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. Verse three, you show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry written, not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of human hearts. And so what was going on here is they were talking about how they ministered and how they made relationships and how they connected with people. And what they were saying is like, hey, do we need to get to a point where like we sort of send a resume ahead or we send like a, a cover letter and we kind of let people know who we are and what we do and what the thing, like sort of set ourselves up here, come in and like kind of give them a commercial on this or, or is the fruit of our ministry, the fruit of our life is, do we just let that do the talking? Do we just let that be what it should be. And I just thought about in our lives too, shouldn't it be the same thing? We get so caught up with it as Christians. We, we have our status updates and we have our bumper stickers and we have like all of our stuff put in its perfect place and our Hobby Lobby, like memory verses on our wall, right? We all have those, right? Okay. You don't? How do you live in West Michigan without a Hobby Lobby scripture on your wall? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like we have all this stuff put together and we say, well, that's in place, that's in place, that's in place. But what if we lived in a way that we just said, hey, I'm going to make sure that my life and my connections with people and my love, let's just let like the fruit of how we live do the talking for us. Let, why don't we just, how we love people, how we connect with people, why don't we just let that do the talking for us instead of getting up on a soapbox with a bullhorn and really like barking out our agenda. Amen? <laughs> I, uh, I had some fun this weekend with... Um, I almost said that really wrong. <laughs> I almost said, I had some fun this weekend with Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> Everybody's so uncomfortable right now. Oh my gosh, he said. I had some fun this weekend talking about Fifty Shades of Grey, a little bit on social media and a little bit with some other people. And here's an interesting thought that I had in terms of this conversation. And you guys can all start breathing again. I'm not going to tell you yes or no if you should read it or see it. I'm not going to do that. But here's something that I want to throw out. I've been watching this all take place over the internet and take place over conversations and other pastor friends of mine who've wrote blogs and tried to have a commentary about it and all this kind of stuff. Here's the deal. I'm not going to talk about that side of it, but here's one great example of how we talk about our fruit just doing the talking for us or our lifestyle doing the talking for us. It's interesting to me, what would our reaction be as a church if People go see the movie. Maybe they check in at the movie theater and they're going to go see the movie. And I'm not against it or I'm not going to, like, I'm not giving my statement about it today. We can talk about it afterwards. I definitely will. Uh, I just don't have the time to get into the full thing. So here's the deal. So friend of yours, good Christian person, whatever, goes and sees a movie, checks in on Facebook or whatever. That's one thing. Oh my gosh, I can't believe they did that. And then you make your judgment or whatever. And we get all wound up about, oh, I can't believe they did this or did that. And then you have no problem following that 
by gossiping about it to three other people, four or five other people. Right? Right? So it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe da 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 da. And then you call him so and so. Did you know that they called him the thing? Did you know that they, right? And like, so isn't it interesting that we, we make everything about this? Like, oh, it's this one, but we can totally ignore this one when it comes to like our high Christian religious standards. Amen? You with me? <laughs> okay. So I'm not going down that road on the whole thing, but I'm just saying, isn't it interesting? Again, I know I'm being redundant, but isn't it interesting that in our lives, and I know I'm getting a lot of pushback on this, and that's okay, I can handle it, but um, isn't it interesting that our response to things, we have no problem justifying like a sin or jumping off track if it comes to like judging somebody else's sin. Like, oh, and, and I'm not calling that sin or not sin, I'm not doing that. But what I'm saying is, we, again, have to take a look at like the letters of our heart. What are we saying, even if somebody else's lifestyle doesn't necessarily line up with maybe the way that you've interpreted it to be? And that's why I had a great conversation yesterday with somebody on the internet. Uh, we were saying, listen, the problem with culture is the angry voice and the loud voice and the shouting voice. There's so much of that that it makes us all like sick and repulsive to like, we're just, oh, there's another person yelling and arguing and like shouting things at me and telling me what to do. We're so sick of that, that if the church could ever come in and find a voice that comes in, in grace and love and truth in the right way, that side, the church, that side would win influence in community, wouldn't it? Because everyone's sick of the yelling guy. Everyone's sick of the bullhorn person. Let's be, the scripture says it ends up being what? A clanging symbol. If you got all this stuff to say, but you don't have love, then you're just a clanging symbol. Basically what? We're sick of hearing it. Somebody say amen. And so we got to be a people that we find a way to say, hey, let's make it about what it's really about. And that's loving people, connecting people, being genuinely interested in others. Amen. I believe that Jesus did that very well. Uh, we talked about last week, we used the, the idea of Preach Jesus, use words if necessary. Preach Jesus, use words if necessary. The problem with the kids' hope scenario was that guy wanted to go into the school and just evangelize the kids through talking about Jesus and talking about the Bible and talking about, he only saw it as this is the only way I can do it, is if I do this and I get him to church, that's the only way I could evangelize him. But if he went in there, and he just lived Jesus on display and he just lived his life and he loved that kid and he spent time with him, wouldn't that be evangelizing to that young person? Wouldn't it be all that that kid needed in the first place? So we gotta preach Jesus, use words if necessary. People may never read a Bible, but they'll read you. So we, we, we have to preach well. John 13, 35 says, but th by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Love one another. Matthew 5, 14 says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Talking about what we talked about earlier. If we can be that love, if we can not be the angry bullhorn voice, if we can be the love, the light on a hill, the voice that people don't have a lot of, if we can be that, it won't be hidden. Verse 15, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. I never noticed that until I was studying it. Notice this, it says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone else in the house. So when you are a light, when you are a city on a hill, not only does that benefit you, but your light then gets into other people's darkness in dark places. 
So again, if we can be a church that goes, hey, I'm not, not, I'm not just trying to get you over to the church. I'm not just trying to get you over to the next, next program. Why don't you just come be around me because I want to love you and connect with you. I just want to be around you and spend time and connect with you and love on you. If we can just draw people into our light, everybody wins. Amen? Verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Notice the scripture didn't say, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may hear your good speeches, that they may come to your beautiful churches. It says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. They may see your story. They may see your life on display, your godliness on display, the God in you on display. And then it says what? And then it says, God will be given glory in heaven. Amen. We have to connect with people. Part of it too is this, the number one longing in the human heart is to feel connected to family. The number one longing in the human heart, psychiatrists say, is to feel connected or to feel like they belong to something. So if as a church, we can be a people who stop rejecting people and say, oh, you're not good enough. Oh, you didn't do this right. You didn't do this right. You're not good enough. Come here when you get your act together. Or in our lives, oh, you're not good enough. Oh, you're not, and I reject you. If we can be a people that say, hey, like Jesus did, come with me while we figure it out. Come with me while we walk with God. Come with me while we love others towards God. Let's do this together. The number one longing of the human heart is to feel a part of a family or feel connected. Look, it goes all the way back to being a kid. You're a little kid, my daughter right now, Barbies, and she's making little families, and all her little Doc McStuffin characters are all these little things, and what? She's creating these little groups that she's connected with and that she loves and that she's doing this thing. And then as you grow up, you, you want to what? Start your own family. And then you want to, why? Because you just keep adding layers to this community of family. Why? Because it's a desire on the inside of our hearts. But why then as churches do we make it so hard for people to connect with God and with others? Like who's with me? Are you okay? Are you with me? <laughs> okay. So we have to be noticing the unnoticed. As I said last week, Jesus noticed the unnoticed. Zacchaeus was hiding up in a tree. Tax collectors, who were the worst of the worst of their time, Jesus says, hey, come follow me. Do what I do. Romans 15.5 says, now may the God of peace, now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to, Jesus, to Christ Jesus. Verse 6, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 7 Therefore, receive one another just as Christ received us to the glory of God. Receive one another. The translation here is to reach out. Be a people unto the glory of God that the way that we live is that we're in unity. And not only do we like, hey, how's it going? Welcome. But we reach out in a way to grab each other. Hey, that person is getting up. Hey, I'm going to go out of my way to grab you and bring you in not to the church or not to the next program or next to the thing, but into a place where, where I can help you, where I can love you, where I can be alongside you, where you don't have to go through this alone. Somebody say amen. So yeah, we do Bible studies. Yeah, we do church. Yeah, we do Disney on ice. Yeah, we do all these kinds of things. Why? Because we want something to do. No, it's because this, we want to love each other and connect with each other and be there for each other and be a group of people that we're called to be, whether it be Disney on ice or a Bible study. These are the tools that we use to reach out and love and, and, and catch each other. Amen? <laughs> Somebody said that's good, Pastor Josh. 
Okay, good. Thank you. I feel better. I needed, I needed help. I needed. I was. I was feeling like you guys were just watching me. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. First Corinthians thirteen one. I'll close with this thought. First Corinthians thirteen one says, "If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal." You can be right in doctrine. If you don't hear anything I say, hear this. You can be right in doctrine. You can have your doctrine and your theology on point, perfect. You can be right in doctrine and cold, totally cold in spirit. You can have it nailed, but no one wants to be around you because you're so cold and stiff and stale and stagnant. We have to be, and theology is important and doctrine is important. But if we have not love, and a lot of times love is spelled time, Take the extra phone call. Take a minute and listen and respond. Okay? We have to be the people who love. I love this. Mark Batterson says, if you want to impact someone forever, love them when they least expect it and least deserve it. That's a way to impact somebody forever, is love them when they least expect it and when they least deserve it. Why? Because it's so countercultural. What did Jesus do for us? He loved us when we least expected it and least deserved it. Somebody say amen. Take all the love you received and give it away like you weren't trying to save it for later. We're rivers, not reservoirs. Amen? Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to drop the lights down a little little bit, and then I want to offer a prayer invitation for you. If you're in here today, we're actually going to do two prayers. But if you're in here today and you say, oh man, Pastor Josh, I, you know, you're talking about loving others towards God. I haven't even started my journey towards God. But maybe today you're feeling in a way that you want to do that. You say, hey, uh, I'm feeling a tug on my heart. Or maybe some of the things I said, um, you're going, yeah, I need to make a connection with God or I need to look vertical. Maybe you want to start a new story that says, hey, you know, I need to make better choices or I need to start a walk with God. If that's you, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to offer you an invitation. You're not going to come forward. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to stick you in a room in the side or go to any class or anything like that. But all I'm going to have you do is just raise your hand. Nobody will be looking. I'll have them bow their heads and close their eyes. You can actually do that at this time. Bow your heads. Nobody will be looking around. It'll just be between me, you, and God. But the scripture says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you're on your way to heaven. It's like the sinner's prayer, some people call it. Or uh, the scripture also says that all, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I believe today you can make a confession with your mouth and believe it in your heart as, that Jesus is Lord and you'll be on your way to heaven. Simple prayer like that. Simple prayer, but the most powerful thing you, do, you can do. So if that's you in here with nobody looking around, again, nobody leaving their seat, nothing like that. If you're in here and you say, yeah, Pastor Josh, I'd like to pray that prayer, we're all going to pray it together as one group, so you won't be excluded. But I want, I want to be able to see your hand so that I can believe with you and, uh, and pray this prayer with you. So if that's you in here on three, just raise your hand if you want to pray that prayer. One, two, three. Anybody in here? Anybody in here? Okay, cool. You can pray this prayer with us. Um, we're going to all pray it as a group. If you said, I couldn't put my hand up, but I wanted to, we're going to pray the prayer anyway. And if you believe it in your heart, I believe that God will still honor your prayer. So let's all pray this together. Say, God, 
Today, I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Help me to follow you. Forgive me of my sins. In Jesus' name, amen.